Welcome to the newest interview that we're doing here on Quality Violent Cinema. Uh, today we're doing uh, Daniel Valiant and Jack Mulvanity. And uh, it's going to be really cool. They have a new project they're collaborating on. And uh, we're going to dive deep into it. And uh, you guys should definitely pick it up when you get a chance. I know it's coming from uh, Daniel uh, personally. And also Jack's doing a release of it too. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And um, the uh, release was the basic premise of it was i had contacted a f- quite a few people well i've been getting some unsolicited like clips of people cutting themselves and stuff um and people like w- with their girlfriends or whatever cutting themselves and so i thought well maybe i'll put this on an anthology like maybe i'll contact i'll ask these people if they can you know um do a slightly better version of it and most of the people, 95% of the people, for whatever reason, didn't hit the deadline because I wanted it to be a Halloween release. But so late in the game, like just a few weeks before the deadline, uh, I was talking with Jack and I was like, hey, would you like to contribute to this also? And so he did and he hit the deadline. He was the only one that hit the deadline. A lot of people had really good reasons for not hitting the deadline. I know at least a few of the people had like mental health breakdowns and you know there was some valid reasons but um but jack jack hit the deadline so i just said let's just make it a split release between you the two of us and i think it worked out great because there was a lot of like interesting synchronicities between his segment and my segment and we didn't have any we didn't have any plan in advance we didn't say let's do it about this and this we just independently created segments that both happened to be have like these kind of strange uh overlapping themes yeah um, i could definitely so, yeah, see some well. similarities between both of the segments uh, is there like an overarching theme that like from your guys perspective that kind of no. connects them together well there wasn't intended to be i mean the only thing i said is we'll try to kind of make this to be halloween themed since it's going to be a halloween release but that was the only instructions or directions that I gave to Jack. Other than that, we just both went our own ways and it just happened that they had like these overlapping kind of thematic elements. Um, so one thing I was curious on um, with the title, was that to kind of give kind of like an EP where it's like two musicians kind of splitting um, a release right. and kind of giving it to that idea. Right. Like a Jack, Jack and me both, are big into music i know that we're both big into music including like hardcore music and there's like lots of metal bands put out split releases and so that was kind of the idea here was to the way that bands put out split eps with other bands and jack i know is big into the we were talking about like hardcore music and stuff um and jackson can talk about that a little bit more yeah the split idea came from daniel he was like we should do a kind of a split um, based on like hardcore bands or metal bands and i love the idea i've been like playing in hardcore bands for years um been a part of that scene and um i think the title fits really well each segment has their own titles um like the new film order release is going to be called split the last last form of loving and that's going to feature my segment and daniel's segment but the overarching title is just split uh, Jack Mulvanity, White Gardenia. I thought it was a great idea. No, but for this one, Daniel, like I, the shift definitely changed a lot more than your normal work. Like you were talking about, like hardcore bands were definitely an inspiration for the project. And I mean, it, it was definitely a lot more visceral and brutal than your other films. Like 
what made you decide to kind of shift the tone and are you going to do it more in future releases? Oh, you mean mine, like as far as the music and the pacing and everything? Yeah, the pacing yeah. and even like you usually use like music throughout your work, but like in specific scenes, it was just the plain audio, which made it a lot more visceral and kind of hardcore in a way, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this was more like focused on metal music and uh, noise music and um I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we both love music. I, I came from like the straight edge background, um, being in some kind of straight edge bands and stuff. And so we um, definitely, that's kind of my uh, background. And Jack has that same kind of interest in, I mean, we were talking about a few of the same bands that we like, and we have some of that in common. Um, as far as like it, it, yeah, I think some people mentioned this maybe is a bit more intense, but it's because I wanted this to be like, um, I was really influenced by Christian's segment that he edited because he edited a White Gardenia segment for this upcoming Symbolicus. And um, he just took like bits and pieces out of a million different White Gardenia segments and he um, put them, edited them together and with, with that song for every birthday funeral, which is a song we recorded. And uh, I was like really blown away by what he came up with. And I still kind of want to do that same thing with um, taking like almost like almost like a highlight reel. But um, there's also like a coherent and underlying narrative in it. The only difference, the the different approach I did to what um, Christian did is that I wanted to um, show like really clearly that everything was unsimulated. I wanted to show enough of what was going on to show that everything was, you know, that it was not effects. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, that was one thing that was kind of key in this, but there is an underlining narrative too. It's not just like showing all the like most violent parts. Uh, there was like, I specifically wanted to deal with the topic of Halloween. And um, so that was from the outset, I was trying to deal with the topic of Halloween and then towards the end, um, as I was editing it, I started realizing it was more about Christmas than Halloween. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's like a lot of elements about Christmas, especially towards the end of the segment. Yeah. And I like that you chose to <clears throat> um, show the different camera that you uh, talked about having that you were interested in putting in. And so it's, it's and a different perspective of similar footage. Have you seen anything that you've come out with? Right. Yeah. There was some alternate camera angles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically thought this is kind of like in a way I kind of wanted to be a definitive clip. Like it was definitive. If anyone says like, what is this project White Gardenia about? I could kind of show them this clip. It, it, it will at least give you a good idea of what the project is about. And then if you wanted to know more, you could like watch XXX Dark Web or whatever. Yeah, it definitely encapsulated it a lot more. Yeah. You got a lot of your different themes in there throughout it. And especially like it was definitely a lot less of your uh, normal transhumanism aspect to it, but it definitely came in and played a part at the end that I thought fit very well with like the weaponizing the blood of Christ like type thing. Right. Oh, I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. I'm glad you noticed that because I thought that might be, I'm not sure I had, I was wondering if I had quite enough information in there so people could connect the dots, but that is the theme is like Halloween is a, is the human basically it was the human race as we go into this cold time of year 
uh, as it's like summer's ending and it's like death, everything's dying. All the, you know, um, nature is like transitioning into this death state. Um, it's like the human race trying to make that into something pleasant. So Halloween is like celebrating death, you know, in a way to try to make it something fun. Yeah. And um, it's, it's like an attempt to sublimate the idea of death and the horror of it and to try to turn it into something pleasant. And, um, and then, so that's like the first part of the film is that is like, that's the same thing cutting is that's the same thing. Heavy metal music is, or horror films is trying to sublimate things that when you're cutting yourself, you're taking something terrible about life and trying to turn it into something pleasant. That's one that's, and then, yeah. And then you connected the dots that the things that are being addressed at the end there, that transhumanist stuff is it's, it's basically what's going on now with the, like what we saw with the election last night, um, this new strange movement of Christian transhumanist Christian nationalists in the political scene, like the, the Peter Thiels and the Blake masters and JD Vance and everything. And um, so the, the premise is like this, this notion that like Odin became Santa Claus, that Odin was this, uh, you know, violent kind of bloodthirsty guy who, demanded blood sacrifices and then that turned into santa claus that became like a kinder gentler version santa claus was a kinder gentler version of odin and um that's what the end's about you know that's <laughs> if if it, i don't know if it, if you watch it i hopefully there's enough there enough information to kind of put the pieces together and you can kind of see what i'm getting at but so i have this question for <clears throat> for both of you um but i have jack start do you think self-mutilation is a modern form of expression in film? Uh, I absolutely think it's a modern form of expression in film. In this film, um, me and Emily E, we did some cutting, uh, vomit, and I think it's a way to kind of express... I, I like bodies and and mutilating bodies and the the blood kind of like i don't know it's really to me it's like very naturalistic i like showing like decay and bodily harm i also think it can express like internal emotions so like the main emotions in my movie it's um a recently married couple plots to mutilate and kill themselves i don't know if that fully got expressed but throughout the film i mean i smoke heroin for real we do cutting um and all these like self-harm acts that I think some people might think are taboo in my head are beautiful because I really wanted to express the love these people have for each other. And after each mutilation and the further they go, they'll kiss each other or they'll caress. And I really wanted to express the connection and beauty they have with each other and rubbing their blood on their faces as like an expression of giving themselves to each other. And I think um mutilation and self-infliction can be beautiful and is absolutely a form of performative art for my next film we go even further for the self-infliction and mutilation and i think people are taken aback by it and maybe think that it's problematic or that this content can be kind of crazy but I think if you're not actually doing extreme harm and you're trying to portray an emotion, like all my films are trying to portray emotion. A lot of them do with depression, death, decay, all sorts of things like that. 
And I really try to show like in lovers embraces in this short and like the meaning of uh, licking each other's blood and sharing in the pain and trying to escape from life. So I don't know. I think absolutely it can be an art form. I think not only do people find it taboo, but they find I've heard a lot of people finding it disgusting or they don't want to watch it. And whatever people want to think is fine. Mm-hmm. But I think it's absolutely a performative art. And I'm sure Daniel mm-hmm. can agree. By the way, Jack Segman is great. Like there's some really interesting parts in that. There's like really interesting, um, strange stuff going on. And um, it was, the, yeah, there was like romantic elements, um, but like some really strange stuff going on. And, um, but I, yeah, I agree that it's, it's um, performance arts, but it's also like, like I was saying, it's, um, it's a sublimation of pain. It's way, the way the human race is trying to deal with different um, problematic elements. The, um, it's like BDSM where like someone who's interested in, getting beaten up or beating other people up probably dealing with some with they were probably mistreated when they were young or beaten when they were young and this is in a tragic way this is how they're dealing with that this is like a coping mechanism and so um it's the same with uh cutting is um you're turning pain you're trying to turn the pain impulse into something pleasant um and it's 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 a trick that humans use over and over again and anyone interested in horror films or interested in heavy metal music death metal music that's what it they're trying to um you know this this is that coping mechanism coming into play and so that that's something i'm always exploring that whenever i'm making a film you know i'm always interested in that perspective and uh so that that's it and also in this particular one, I wanted, I've always been interested in this concept of what is the most extreme film of all time. And I've always been like searching probably like a lot of other horror fans. I'm looking for what is the most extreme horror film ever made. And um, so in this case, I wanted to try attempt to make this the most extreme film ever made. I wanted my segment to be in a definitive way. If someone asked that question, I could say, and I don't know if I succeeded. I'll just have to wait and see what people think. But um, that's why I'm offering that money back guarantee that if anyone orders it, I will give them their money back if they think it's not the most extreme film. And uh, so, um, so far, <laughs> so far, I've had a few people say it's not the most extreme, but we'll see what happens. No, it'll probably be like they want their money back, but they'll be like, it's maybe not the most extreme, but I'll, I'll keep it. You don't need money. Back. I'll still <laughs> yeah, give you support. Sure <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got to be close, though, right? It's got to be close to the most extreme. Yeah. I mean, that one scene that you had in there, I don't want to spoil completely, but the nailing scene was fucking insane. That was yeah. one of the most extreme <clears throat> things I've ever seen. You know, yeah. and that was, that, that was, um, you know, it wasn't when I was screaming, it wasn't acting. Uh, yeah. You could tell. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, I was being, I was being a pussy. I can't believe looking back at that footage. I was like, I can't believe what a pussy I was that I was like screaming like, like a girl. And no, I was, you're, I, you're screaming like a guy. It, it, was, it, was, it was pretty <laughs> intense. It was like, it was, you know, it, it, you definitely tell it was um, 
I actually have to ask, is that the intensity over the finger? You feel the pain? Well, yeah, it, it was for, for some reason it was because, you know, I, like I wasn't screaming during the finger stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it, for some reason it, it, it was, it was more, there was something about it that was just way more. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, it could be that I'm just getting soft in my old age. It could just be that I'm turning into a sissy or something, but um, that just didn't, that was probably the worst one I've ever done because um, <laughs> maybe it was partly psychological, but. <laughs> well, like you're letting yourself endure that pain. That's where the real test of will is. It's not the pain itself. It's the willing to take in that pain, you know. Well, we kept the one part. I, I kept in the one part where Allison's like, are you good? And I, and you know, there was a couple of things where she was checking to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Is the camera. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were, we kind of kept in some of that stuff that I might've cut yeah. out under normal. No, I think it was great. I think it added to a, a more of a sense of realism um, because you were like, Oh yeah, there is stuff you're going to have to get into. It almost like breaks the fourth wall a little bit, but yeah. Also, one thing is I was really proud of the music in this one. I was proud of the music and I and also Jack's music was unbelievable. Like Jack's the music in Jack's segment is so um, like I just listen to it. I like play the segment and just listen to it um, in the background because I love the music in his segment so much. I think that this release, even if people don't think it's the most extreme release of all time, should people should get this just for the music. Mm-hmm. Like oh, that's yeah. my the scores. Opinion. The scores were fucking amazing on both of them. Thank mm. you. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. really think so. I, I was like really proud of how the music turned out. So was Jack, was that your brother again? That was, did that or. Yeah. I, I'm a twin. So my brother's a musician and a sound engineer. He's the music he writes. It is experimental noise music, similar to like Mersbau, Purient. That's kind of what people have compared it to really dark stuff. And I feel like it, always goes well with my films and he every time i ask him to do music for a film he really kills in and makes some sort of like punishing dark really bleak soundtrack and i feel like it makes the visuals even more intense mm-hmm. yeah. do you feel like you guys have helped each other's careers because of kind of bouncing off each other um yeah i mean He's kind of got his own career. I don't necessarily know if he wants to be associated with the kind of films I make. So I don't want to say exactly what he does, but he works for bigger musicians and he does tours. And so he works for pretty significant acts and he works for like the bigger venues in the Philadelphia area. Um, I mean, I think people that watch my films like love his music and he was in a band called A Virgin. I was in it. I ended up getting kicked out. Um, but yeah, so he was in a band called a virgin for a couple of years and they were really sick. They were like experimental, kind of like have a nice life with some period stuff. And it was really dark music. And then he kind of started focusing on his sound career and he really only does music for my movies now. Like he kind of stopped releasing music as like, as a project anymore which i wish he does because i feel like he's a genius like how i am with making movies like that's my natural talent he is for music like he just has such an ear for it and like i i remember being in the car with him and him playing my his songs and they were like noise with like crazy samples from porn or like dark evil stuff 
and I was like, turn this shit off. Like, it's really bumming me out right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, his shit is dark and brooding. When he used to play live, he used to, like, shine flashlights in people's faces. Like, it was it was awesome. It was really sick. Um, but, yeah, he's doing another soundtrack for my next film, Everything Decays, which is almost done shooting. Um, so, yeah, there'll be more music from him. He's a really busy guy, but I think he did an amazing job on the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. And getting back into your short, though, Jack, is that like I see the like the love and kind of running from reality aspect to it. But I really got like a sense of trauma, like specifically like religious trauma, especially with like all the imagery you have throughout. Um, But especially at the end, like when you do spoiler alert, when you do die, you're kind of like in this like prayer, like uh, situation, I guess, with your body. And I was wondering, like, if I got anywhere with that. Okay, so I was raised a Catholic. Um, there's a lot of crazy, terrible things that were involved in the church that I was in. I will say that the priest that I used to altar serve under got arrested while I was in Catholic school for molesting kids. He used to make all sorts of crazy comments. Like, he's just a piece of shit. But that night when I was in fifth grade, I took a cross off my wall. I was raised Catholic. My parents raised me Catholic. And I was so disturbed by this. And I felt like everything I knew was wrong. And I was, as a kid, I was always into dark things like skeletons and reading books about the plague. And so I was always into like eerie stuff, horror movies. And I felt like everything that I loved was wrong. And then I realized that the church that I was supposed to be ingrained in because I was in Catholic school and I was an altar boy was wrong. These people were actually monsters. These people were Mm -hmm. the things they were talking about. So I do have a lot of like religious trauma. Like honestly, talking about religion sometimes makes my chest tight, but I don't do it as like a low hanging fruit. Like, ah, fuck God. I try to do it in a, in a not, not respectful way because I hate religion, but in a beautiful way and in a dark way. And Mm -hmm. the song that plays the last part of the song, the melody of the song that my brother did was an old song that we used to listen to in church. It's in the trailer. So he, he used the melody of a song that we used to sing in church and made an experimental track and I died yeah. during that song. So the yeah. song is like a prayer. And as, and, and as I'm kind of like, I, I close my eyes almost like in, in a prayer and like the way the music worked it, when I heard the track, I was like, Oh my God, like I haven't heard this since I was a child. And now wow. it's this crazy distorted version and I'm dying to it. So I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of, dark and bad feelings about religion and i try not to do it in like a corny way but i try to do it in like a dark like this really ingrained some pain into my mind and the essence is still there in my films yeah i mean you could tell i mean it is done i i would say like very well i don't know if respectful is the right word like you said um but yeah it's it's done perfectly and it's not like shoved into your face like it's in very small notes of it Mm -hmm. and like like you said in the beginning like uh there's an essence of the love is kind of like an escape from reality and it's it 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 comes across so well i definitely picked up on all of it yeah you use a lot of the symbolism you know of like like religion uses of just kind of using the cross but then almost like turning it around on them as a way of like exploiting Mm -hmm. them or exposing them absolutely and also 
we talk about escapism. I've been off and on heroin for years, so I'm hoping I actually get it. But escapism is like a huge thing that I think about. And it's a part of my life, whether it's cutting or using or love or sex, all these things that like, kind of take away the feelings of pain. I really like trying to show like, humans trying to turn pain, internalize it and take it out and put it into something else or find a way to escape because they can't function even if it's killing them. You said you were actually smoking heroin for real in the beginning. Was that like a hard choice for you to make to do that um, again? Or Well, while I was filming that, I was in the midst of a relapse. It was probably a month long run. And when I say heroin, all the heroin around here is fentanyl. Uh, Shit. Like cranking it. So it's like, it looks like gray and blue. It comes in like a stamp bag. And yeah, I smoked that off tinfoil. I, I've been off and on doing it for years. I'm really trying to break the habit. I've overdosed. I've been kicked. Like all sorts of negative consequences have happened in my life due to it. I actually took a five-year break from making movies. Like from my mm. last film, my not my last film, my second film in 2017, Piety, to doll fluids was like at least four years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't blame you. It's definitely a very hard thing to go through. But I mean, like, like I think making movies could also be a form of escapism. So I hope you stay mm-hmm. with it and you have to stay strong with your sober. Well, yeah, I, I just take things day by day. I'm not in the program. I think AANA, like, although they help people, mm-hmm. it's kind of bullshit. It's a lot of it's like God centered. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's what I think the problem is, is there's not enough programs that aren't religious based that help people out of um, addiction. And so like, can you just not do the God shit and just help people? That'd be cool. Yeah, Seriously. absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Trust me. I've been, I've been court mandated 302 and psychosis. Trust me. I know about them trying to you the god stuff but it, mm-hmm. it definitely deflects me from the program because i'm like the book says god in it and after all the things that i've been through i just can't mm-hmm. and imagine your films are pretty like an intense experience because you can see the intensity of like of a lot of self going into it so i'm sure it takes a lot you know so it's it's hard like and difficult to just kind of make them repeatedly definitely i mean i shot this and another film back to back um it's not the other film's not announced yet but both of them have a lot of extreme and really dark content i try to put some personal content in it too like just myself into each film i make and at least i show it i hope i show it in tone um so yeah it's been a lot of work but it's been good for me to just like have a projects that i'm constantly working on so then i kind of take a step back and be like okay i did too and i get that um, no, it's partially a big reason why I did this podcast is to kind of keep me productive and keep me active. Otherwise, I'm just bored and doing not good things. Yeah, so. absolutely. Oh, yeah. And uh, I also wanted to ask, like, do you use the raw footage in your shorts or do you color grade them after the fact? Because it looks super, super fucking clean and well shot, like it seems like you definitely tweaked them after, but if it's the raw footage, I mean, you got some insane raw talent there. Um, so actually I have like this system of how I color grade every shot. It's the same thing. Like as I did doll fluids, piety in this movie. So I have like a consistent style. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not like a crazy amount of like, I don't like sit at it for hours. Like it's really the easiest thing. Like if people knew how I did it, they would be like, Oh really? But (laughs) 
but yeah no i just like to have that dark tone you know what i mean uh i like everything looking like darkness the footage so i shoot on like i think it's the sony a6400 i'm so bad at knowing equipment it's my own camera i don't fucking know (laughs) it's one of them it's one of them it's the one that came after the a600 but the camera shoots in 4k 1080p i shoot in 4k so the footage looks like really clean it's mirrorless and then i have like cinematic settings that like i just found on youtube about just like what is the best frame rate and the lights and all that shit to put on and then i take that footage and i edit it yeah yeah that's that's definitely something i think you're kind of unmatched in especially in the independent scene is that not a lot of people have that look that you pull off that clean super well done look to it thank you i really appreciate that So this question will be for both and I'll, I'll let um, Daniel start on this one. Um, uh, Are you worried that any of your footage uh, and any of your shorts uh, might be too much for people and might separate your audience? Like, like too disturbing or too. Yeah. Or just like maybe taking it to a point where it's no longer comfortable for them and they might just be just not interested. Well, I mean, if you're, it's more so it's like the question of ethics sometimes comes into it. Like, is there some ethical boundaries that are crossing? But I mean, that's, it can't really be that way with mine because if me and Allison are ever doing anything, it's totally, we're either doing it to ourselves or we're doing it to each other. And it's totally consensual. The The point is to try to attack the audience. The The point is to try to, it's not like I'm trying to, uh, make them feel better it's not like i'm trying to the whole point is to try to do something that's um uh, that is you want it to be uncomfortable for the audience the, the point is to try to make it as uncomfortable as possible i mean that would be the entire point of trying to make the most extreme film ever made which i may or may not have succeeded in. i hope i've succeeded but i'm hearing plenty of people are telling me i haven't but mm-hmm. if i was trying to just make a an art film then I would care more about like the feedback or what the audience thought about it. But I'm specifically trying to make something that's a painful experience for myself when I'm filming it and for the audience when they're watching it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it was a nice music is like some of the music is like in the dark mega sequence is like, can't even listen to it really. Like when I was going back and listening to it, I have to keep taking my headphones out because it's, it's like, so I, I want even the music to be in some parts as painful as possible. Yeah, I think it was definitely a fresh take for you, too, because I, I, I love your other work, but it's definitely a lot more artistic. And this one, like you said, it feels so fucking painful to watch and to listen to, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like I like films that, that are painful, like Splendor in the Grass by Elia Kazan and like AI by Steven Spielberg and you know, some of my, my favorite films are painful to sit through. And so, yeah, I'm definitely influenced by that. So making the content that I make, I know you lose some audience. Like I see comments on either reviews or trailers and people are like, this is disgusting. Or they're telling people they're brave for watching my movies. It's not for the average like horror fan that just likes horror movies. But in my opinion, I think some movies should make you feel bad i think i try to express the darkness and how sick this world actually makes me 
And I think especially for the next film I have, we pushed it even further. I, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm going to say Needles and Taser, unsimulated. Um, nice. So yeah, the next movie has a lot of unsimulated scenes, and I think it's going to divide people. But also, if you're going to watch a Jack Mulvaney film at this point, I don't want you to feel good. I don't want you to be happy. I'm trying to show you how sick this world makes me and try to do it in a way where there's some beauty. And also, if you're digging deep enough to even find my films, you're probably looking in avenues of extreme cinema. I don't think that you're just going to randomly find it. And if you do and hate it, that's fine. But honestly, I feel like the more extreme you get, even though people might talk about it online and they might be like, this is crazy, the sales don't really show like that it's the most beneficial thing because mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't hit the widest audience. It, it's slimmed <clears throat> your audience more and more. And some people will think it's disgusting or some people think it is wrong or some people will be like, I can't believe you people even did this. Yeah. So, but the people that... For me, I have two shelves of, full of some of the craziest films in the world, and that's my prized possession, so I make it for mm -hmm. people like me. No, I get that. And it, it shows that you're in it for the art, not for the sales, and that's just the big difference since when you're making something. It's like, sure, you know, of course you're going to split audience. That's the point. I'm for a niche community, you know. You just said your next film involves, what, what did you say? It involves needles and tasers? Yes. Nice. Nice. Unsimulated. The one other thing I was going to mention about Jack's segment is, um, and you were talking about this idea of going, going too far or alienating the audience. Like when I first was talking to Jack over the phone before I'd seen his segment, he mentioned that he had some scenes with my, with uh, rats. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was like, Oh, you know, I don't think I, I was hesitant. And I was telling him, I don't know if that's a good idea because um, there's, you know, this whole, and because there's valid ethical questions about having like animal, the use of animals, dead animals in films. He assured me that the rats were, he bought them frozen. They were already dead. Um, but I'm still like have, thinking about this from an ethical perspective, because um, there's some serious questions, not to mention that I come from a straight edge background. I'm straight edge vegan. And like, I've been into animal rights my entire life. I'm, I'm so animal rights that I used to not even eat bread because yeast, I didn't want to eat yeast because I perceived it to be a living organism. I, I'm like, so I was like, so obsessive about this that I wouldn't, <laughs> uh, uh, I once caught myself wearing leather shoes and I took them off and, and had to walk three miles without shoes on. Um, when I saw that segment, when I saw his segment and the, the rat scene, it's one of my favorite segments in the entire, in his entire film. It's and it's it's like one of the weirdest segments. And I agree with him when he talks about he wants to show people, present to people like the horror of reality. I don't think there's anything ethically wrong with showing people dead animals. I, I think, you know, if you're killing them, you're that is wrong and you have to draw the line there. But if you're showing people corpses and Allison does this too, Allison works with dead animals, mm -hmm. but it's a it's a tribute to the animals. And, um, but it is important that people see death, whether it be, you know, it's important that they see and recognize the horror of death. And when mm -hmm. in his segment, they show the inside, they are tearing open one of the dead rats. 
that's a brilliant sequence. That whole sequence is brilliant. And like, Mm -hmm. there's like a weird references to three blind mice, the song three blind mice and they're the masks they're wearing, which has this kind of like Max Fleischer esque quality. Mm-hmm. And um, you also use thing. three nails in, in your scene. So that could be right. something that kind of ties. That was one of the very first synchronicities I noticed was he's mm-hmm. when they first showed the hammer and nails, I'm like, this, like, yeah, this is really bizarre. In no way was that mapped out or planned. No, out. it doesn't seem like it was, but it is one symbolism I see. Yeah. But anyway, there, but there's several brilliant sequences like that. But at any rate, I was saying, this is not like, like people who there's a lot of critics of like Marion Dora and stuff in the horror community, but this segment is definitely does not cross any ethical boundaries. I don't think for me, a radical animal rights, um, you know, vegetarian lifelong vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I don't think he crossed any ethical lines, at least as far as that sequence is concerned. And you see the, that shot of the, you know, decaying Fox all the time and so many movies, just their referenced out or roadkill shots. I mean, what's really the difference in a roadkill shot, you know? Um, Right. Well, I mean, even John Waters, Werner Herzog. I mean, there's so many mainstream filmmakers that where there's real animals been killed in their films. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of odd when certain underground filmmakers get singled out, but some some of it is you know that definitely it's a question. You know, there definitely it has to be. Um, I, I think the main question is you know always is whether the animals are still alive or not, and that's where their line is, like we said before, and, and I think that is a fair line. I mean, I was watching Marion Dora's films, a few of them, and um, seemed to me that it's all simulated. But I don't know; I'm no expert, but definitely not simulated. Yeah, <laughs> really? I was. I, I could be. I mean, I'm no expert, and I just watched it real quickly. But the one with um, what's the one where they're sticking the pole, the giant pole, <laughs> up to the pig, a bloody the short. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I don't remember the names. Um, but I was I was noticing that the you know you would see the um the hit it was being moved the animal was being moved it was definitely an animal but it was dead and it was you could tell it was being um that the body yeah. was being manipulated well, you could also tell if the sound effects were added later like just yeah like those effect- subtle and they didn't match the what the pig's movement would be with the squeal right. so you can tell that it was off so yeah right that's what i thought but i mean i'm no expert and maybe some of his other films are unsimulated i mean i think the funny thing about me and jack was that i think ideologically we're probably totally opposite because like he was talking about religion i'm i'm as like pro-religion as you can possibly be i'm uh, even my segment is about christianity and then the um the drug use like you know i'm completely straight edge i've never done any drugs i've never even smoked weed and um so i think it's funny we have like kind of an ideological clash so it is funny that our segments end up being so similar we find this kind of common ground somehow mm-hmm. and um so it was kind of, I think it was like meant to be that we were to make this film together. Well, it makes well, more definition of it being called split too, because you have right, split right. I, I think, I think a part of it that also stems across is that Jack's definitely deals with escapism a lot. And I think that yours kind of does too, in a way. Yeah. Well, my, mine deals with escapism as far as um, that, that thing I was talking about, about, you know, goths about, um, you know, this existential dread of death and the way that people into horror or people into goth culture have this glamorized view of death, like trying, trying to make it into something fun. Um, trying to, you know, I take death really seriously, but I can understand why people do that. And you have to do that. The human race has to do that 
to try to turn death into something glamorous. So like the point of Christianity is like you, you kind of imagine the way the world you want it to be, which is the idea of faith. You have faith that it's all going to work out, that, that there is a point to everything. The point of like this whole Christian transhumanist movement is that we're going to make it the way that it's supposed to be like that. We have to use technology, whatever we have to do to make it, you know? Um, so people like Frank Tipler are saying we can create heaven using virtual reality, like through simulation theory. It's like forcing that platonic ideal or that religious ideal into the real world. Wouldn't you then lose faith in natural order? Yeah, because wouldn't faith be a form of escapism in itself? Because, I mean, you talk right. about Christ- Christian transhumanism is actually doing something about it, but faith is just having a kind of belief that eventually something will happen without your like control. Right. Well, that's why a lot of Christians are opposed to transhumanism, but but the I'd say maybe half of them are probably open to it, maybe more than that, because the idea is that, yeah, maybe we have to do these things to force this ideal into the real world. But then you think, well, that's what we were having faith the whole time. So like the Christians back in 2000 years ago who said, yeah, there will be a resurrection of the dead in the future. It was like creating your own virtual heaven, essentially. Just right, right. Heaven. So like, like Frank Tipler <laughs> or David Deutsch or Nick Bostrom, yeah. all these guys that say eventually there will be reprogrammable reality to the extent that we'll be able to bring everyone back from the dead and yeah. we have virtual reality <clears throat> heavens. But so in other words, the the paradox the ironic thing then is that those Christians back then 2000 years ago were right, that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead. And they never said like, this is how it's going to happen. Or this is, it has to be done through a supernatural process. Yeah. Um, clearly it, it could be done through a physical process. The, the point, the point is that the, the human race had to have people. Religion is an evolutionary mechanism to keep the human race going because religious people have way more kids than atheists. And um, so we had to have that mimetic process. Uh, the, 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 the mimetic value of religion is that it keeps kept the human race going to the point, to this point where we really could look at death and say, it is possible to defeat death. Um, we are even, even in our lifetimes, we will see death being defeated. Maybe not to the extent that I'd like to see. I, I can see where you're coming from too, because I mean that is the point of religion to extend, to create these rules for people that didn't know what they're fucking doing. Like, don't eat pork was because we didn't have refrigeration. Don't have sex with someone you're not married to because it look, causes STDs. Like, right, I, right. I think there is an aspect to that, but I think there is a more outdated aspect to where mm-hmm. it, a lot of it, like you said with uh, the resurrection, could be real. They just didn't know how it worked. Is that it could just be metaphorical or and to the fact that they didn't know how it worked so they called it magic like the first safe abortion is actually recorded in the bible in num- in uh, numbers i believe interesting thing is the human race had to have stupid people that that's the thing is that um we we have to have intelligent people but we also had to have stupid people we have to have um there there it's like a symbiotic relationship um because if you look at like brilliant people the the existentialists like nietzsche and you know, Franz Kafka, or all these guys, they never had kids because if you think life is meaningless, you're like, if you think life is meaningless and miserable, you're usually not going to probably not going to have kids. But um, the Christian, there had to be that stupid element that would keep <laughs> having kids. And I mean, not to disparage people who have kids, 
I, I would like to, you know, maybe at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I just hit home a little bit in my own stuff. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and I don't mean it that way because obviously there's many brilliant, you know, very intelligent people have had kids, but it's just overall for the overall population there, you, you couldn't keep the human race going if everyone thought it was meaningless and miserable. So you had to have, um, you had to have people that did have faith that there was a point to everything that life had meaning. You did have that population and, and yeah, don't get me wrong. There's brilliant people who have had kids. Like I, I know this isn't popular, but I'm a huge Elon Musk fan and he has like 12 kids or whatever. And so there is, the point is Christianity was saying that there was a point it was saying we will defeat death. And then that is now for the first time in the entire history of the human race is now from a scientific perspective looks plausible to the extent that even an atheist like Sam Harris says it's inconceivable that we will not reach the point where we will have like strong AI virtual reality where we'll be able to simulate um, people and, you know, bring back the dead. So um, that's the thing. And that's the end of the film. That's my segment when it talks about weaponizing the blood of Christ and it talks about um, you know, this idea that Christianity is reverting back to like a darker thing that, that is, I think to an extent, especially the last line of your film, the weaponizing the blood of Christ, is that uh, there's like an aspect of like blindness to that. Because like even back then, like there's still the Westboro Baptist Church and shit like that. Like it, you could weaponize the blood of Christ for a completely opposite bigotry, like centered reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I um. I mean, back then you did the, it's interesting because Christianity started out as like a blood religion. I mean, it Mm -hmm. started off with a handful of people in Judea and it started off, I mean, like everything back then, it was a brutal thing. Like almost everything, well, just life in general was brutal back then. Um, And it it was a religion based around, um, you know, a person being tortured to death. And I mean, that's why goths are drawn to Christian imagery. And in Jack's segment, he's got his girlfriend's <clears throat> crucifix. Um, yeah, there's a lot of claim that Jesus was the first goth. You know, just <laughs> well, well, it is interesting because the goths were the first Christians in Germany, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. The original goths, you know. Huh. Um, and the goth, the goth to me is a... Um, goth is a Christian subgenre. I mean, when you think about it, goth is like the subgenre that embraces religion, you know, it's like Depeche Mode, all, almost all their, <laughs> so many of Depeche Mode songs are about religion, uh, personal Jesus, songs of faith and devotion, almost, mm-hmm. I mean, they're obsessed with it. Um, and so many other goth bands are too. And um, it's kind of different from black metal in that sense where black metal is more anti-Christian, mm-hmm. um, but goth, com- you know, basically embraced it, it, or at least looked at Christianity in more of a positive way. Yeah, I'm a big anyways, fan of Christian, Christian death. That's my because <laughs> this combine both and just listen to Christian death. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could. Yeah, there's definitely bands kind of in the middle there. So speaking of that, I wanted I had a fun question. Um, so this is since this is a split, um, what band do you think would represent your short the best if this was an audio split? Like to represent your short, like name a band that matches your short. That would be like a split album. Uh, do you uh, want to take that one, Jack? Artists, maybe like Mersbow, Full of Hell, The Body. See that? Um, for mine, 
Um, it would be so. It would be Christmas carols. It'd be like uh, it would. It would probably be like. But Tam- know, like, Jan- Tammy and Jan- <laughs> yeah, that. it'd be like Perry Como Christmas carols. Or um, <laughs> not Perry Como, something a little bit older. <laughs> Bing Crosby. Uh, yeah, yeah, Bing Crosby. Yes, go. something in that time frame, nineteen forties. <laughs> Funny, yeah. One last serious question the rest are just normal but uh it's for jack up there uh because dolls come up a lot in your work and i was wondering if there's like a deeper meaning to them you'll see a doll in my next movie too um (laughs) i don't know i think dolls are kind of like something that you can manipulate and have control over and they can do whatever you want like as in playing with a doll Mm-hmm. I also think they can symbolize this like happy, lucky, go free thing. But to me, they also look like kind of grotesque in a way, or like dark, especially the like the they're dolls. trapped in their happiness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The dolls that I find. So like, there's like two things where it's either like someone like, especially in the next film, someone controlling a doll like figure. Or it could be like this, like happy go lucky thing, which is like boiling with agony inside or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just love how they look. Like yeah. I just think they're dark. I mean, I it's funny. I I was like looking at, at in a house, and I don't want to say where it was, but um, on top of this like uh, closet, there's like this secret thing that like. I don't know how to describe it. Like it's like a cabinet, but it was painted shut. And I opened it, and there was like eight creepy fucking old dogs in there. <laughs> and I was like, "Perfect, this is amazing." So I picked my favorite one. She's a Bond, and she's like in the beginning of the next movie. Do you need oh, yeah. a bunch of dolls? By the way, this is a very random question, but <clears throat> I had an ex <laughs> that left me a bunch of porcelain dolls that I don't know what to do with. Oh, please send them. Please yeah, send them I... one or two. Yeah, no, you can have the whole batch. I mean, um, like at least the good ones, like the the ones I think that will be like effective that you can do something with. Because then it'll be kind of cool, like to have in the background or do whatever. Yeah, like, that'd be awesome. I love them. I love, so I have like, I got one. I got like weird shit. I mean, I got like, I have like two dolls that I keep in my collection. I just got a piece of like human remains finally. Mm-hmm. Got a piece of a human heel bone. That was like a highlight for me. But yeah, I don't know. I think they look creepy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was actually I was going around uh, for a second. I was going around hiding them in my house, and I just hide them in <laughs> random places because um, my roommate at the time were creeped out, and or even at my job because a bunch of my people at work were really creeped out by dolls. So I just leave them at different places at work. And just awesome. like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Oh yeah, I really like the fucking female lead in your segment too do you plan on working with her in the future i love her facial expressions in this one. Oh, the in mine yeah yeah that's emily e um me and her are uh, in a relationship we oh, actually yeah. just filmed pretty much complete one more day of shooting a whole other feature and we have some more ideas so it's been a great collaboration i mean she's the stuff she does for the next film is absolutely insane. Like she, <laughs> he, we collaborated on writing it and she came up with ideas and I was like, damn, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> and I was like feeling like crazy, like, 
because because you know in the film it's it's a lot of unsimulated torture so i'm pretty much you know torturing this you know emily and um but we were laughing between takes it was it was good but yeah she did an amazing job I, i love her look and she's a beautiful person but she also did like it's crazy like i've i've really had good people to collaborate with with my films but so far, Emily has been the best because not only does she help come up with ideas, but she's willing to go the distance. And mm-hmm. it's rare that you meet someone that you're going to say, oh, we're going to stick 12 needles in your boobs. And they're <laughs> like, okay. You know, so yeah. she's a beautiful person. She's amazing. She's super talented. Um, and yeah, you'll see some more stuff with her too. Hell yeah. I'm excited to see your new one because one of my favorite parts in uh, this new uh, project that you did is when she starts to choke you and then she gets like a legit, genuine, like sadistic smile. Oh, I know. I know. It's (laughs) perfect. Honestly, I don't know what happened during that. I I puked while she choked me and that's never happened to me before. But I was like, more puke. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So my next film, just so people know, it's called Everything Decays. Hmm. Hell yeah. Was it taking any inspiration from like the KT trilogy type stuff or the 13 ghosts or. Um, So I love those movies. I I believe those are great pieces of art and yes, they do. Mm -hmm. No, I do too. I love all that stuff. Um, GSKD or whatever. All those ones. Yeah. If you like those and KT, you'll like my new film, Mm -hmm. but it's, but there's a little more like narrative and some experimental like art house kind of filmings. So if you liked my other films, you'll probably enjoy it. I enjoyed everything you put out so far. So thank you. Oh yeah. No, I, I generally like generally for sure. Um the intensity is always like I was saying before, I love it. Thank you. You so definitely much. feel yourself put into the film. Thank you. That means absolutely a lot to me. Um, are there any other uh horror face tattoos you're planning on getting? Me? Yeah, because I know you have like the couple that are on your arm. Are you planning on adding? Uh huh. Then I got like because I saw them, I saw a lot during the you know and in this one especially because you're you're naked in it, so you get to see a lot of them. Yeah, man. Um, I really want to get like, I don't know, man. I want to get some more like obs- I want to get like a cannibal holocaust tattoo, maybe a necromantic tattoo. Oh yeah. Maybe even do some more obscure films. I so like I. When I was like 18, 19, 20, 21, I got like a shit ton of tattoos done. And like, honestly, I hate like a lot of them. Like, I mean, I don't know if you see here, I got a fucking noose tattooed on my neck. Mm-hmm. You see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never so, noticed. Like, yeah. I never noticed as a noose. I saw the skull. That's cool. It's the noose. That's cool. Yeah. So like, I don't know. <laughs> I love, I love tattoos, but like. I, I've been kind of taking a break, but I'll, I'll definitely keep game. I think my f- favorite tattoos I got were like the horror faces that I have. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely more of that. Yeah, my next time I'm going to go is down my neck going around my shoulder, but I wanted to start kind of pretty and elegant. And the more it goes down, the more decrepit and fucked up it gets. Just That'd to kind of awesome. show like a personality thing where like I, you know, sh- hiding right, that, that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. The neck, neck tattoos are fun, man. I love mm-hmm. that. I, I would feel like I'd look weird without him. Mm-hmm. Also, I take that hand. Mm-hmm. Lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the both the hands shit, but... Yeah, me too. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, no, uh, I only have one last question, though, because uh, I, I love the juxtaposition of your guys' work together and also, like, some similarities that were a little crazy that just came apart out of nowhere. But do you guys plan on collabing again in the future, maybe? I would love to, I would love to collaborate with Jack again uh, on something. And uh, I don't know if he feels the same way, though. But um, the uh, I think that th- there's going to be a release coming out through um, David Stojan's label that's going to have it's almost like um, Jack's version of the film because this version of it I'm sending out just as a DVR mm-hmm. and um, David Stojan's label New Film Order is um, sending out like Jack's version which has got his film front and center but will also include my film mm-hmm. my segment yeah <laughs> so that'll probably be. I'll just say kind of a more professional version. I, I don't know if that would be the right way to put it, mm-hmm. but it'll be a different version with different cover art by Martin Trafford. And maybe Jack can tell you a bit more about that. So first off, I would love to collaborate with Daniel again. That would be awesome. I think, you know, in the future, if we could plan something again, I would a hundred percent be down to do it. Yeah. I think, I think our styles work really well with each other, honestly. Like I think the film striking intense and it's, it's definitely, it's definitely got some really cool similarities and I don't know. I, I love Daniel's style and all his work. So I'm, I'm a big fan. So I'd love to. Yeah. Second, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The second thing is the DVD is going to be up for pre-order on for my edition split last from loving or just split. If you want to call it that it does have Blake Gardenia or Daniel's segment on it torture theater and what else it's going to be available at newfilmorder.bigcartel.com and the pre-orders are going to be friday so martin trafford did the cover it looks amazing um we're going to see how many we can sell so if you're interested at all definitely check that out Mm -hmm. oh yeah the cover looks fucking sick thank you so much yeah i was like martin has to do it like Mm -hmm. i need it his art is so amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah it'd be interesting yeah. to see um, the two of you actually <clears throat> recording in the same room and actually maybe doing like footage that's like new and raw together. Like even that maybe like cool. a dual, like you, you, Allison, and then um, you and your, and your uh, girl kind of thing. And just doing like a whole collab with the four might be interesting too. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it, Daniel. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. Very, very interesting idea. Yeah. I'm always up for collaborating and um, yeah, Jack, especially like it was funny because when we first talked, I asked him to do it, but uh, to be honest, when I asked him to do it, I had never seen any of his films, (laughs) (laughs) but when he sent me the segment, I was, I I actually was completely blown away and I showed it to Allison and I'm like, you got to check this out. This like just the even just like the quality of the film and like how professional it was i'm like this this guy completely knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. so yeah i would love now that i'm more familiar with his work i would love to you know collaborate further we can kind of just end it out unless there's something you want to anything else you want to throw in or talk about my company ensuring your body to hell productions um split um is coming out through new film, new film order, newfilmorder.bigcartel.com. And I have a new film in the works called Everything Decays. Yeah, either people can order Split through through me, through messaging me, or through uh, New Film Order the, to get the, the alternate version, which is probably the more professional version. You can get that through 
David Stojan's um, new film order, which is like Big Cartel. Is that what it is, Jack? Yeah, it's newfilmorder.bigcartel.com. Okay. And then um, if people could check out Justine, the new film Justine by uh, directed by Alejandro Hernandez, um, that's coming out soon from Tetro Video. Mm-hmm. And that's going to have um, a sequence shot by White Gardenia. Oh, cool. And, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and that's based on the Marquis de Sade book. And I love, I, yeah, I love that book. Yeah, and this is the advance. I haven't seen the finished product, but the advance reviews I've heard are really <clears throat> positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I think awesome. the White I think the White Gardenia sequence is the first sequence in the film. I'm not positive though, but oh, awesome. yeah, I, I think it's going to be great. Al- Alejandro is a fantastic director. Yeah. He did, he, uh, mm-hmm. One of the segments in dark web. Well, cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out for sure. Yeah. I love the Justine adaptations. It'd be really cool to see mm-hmm. what a new one would be, especially since you're part of it, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Just Franco yeah. one is good. Well, th- thanks a lot guys. Thank you, Christian. And, uh, bones and uh thank you jack and um great yeah. talking to you guys oh yeah and, um, all right have a great day guys all right. I don't, you I too. yeah oh, have, have a, a good one, right, have a good one. thanks again guys